thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Today, I'm going to be talking about something that's very, very important for all of us, and it may not, as I prepared for this message, it didn't totally pan out the way I thought it was going to go, but I want to talk to you about God's dream for you. Now this is the second week of this series and last week we talked about how the resurrection of Jesus Christ was not a one-time event. It was not something that just happened one time and so we looked to that. Yes, it happened as a resurrection, the completion of his work, but that power of the resurrection lives in every single one of us every day of our lives. And the challenge last week was to believe again. And I ask you to jot some things down and begin to ask God what has died in your life and what is it that he's wanting to resurrect. But we, we have to know this, that the resurrection power of Jesus, it, it has the power to bring back to life things that are dying and things that are dead that God wants to live in our lives. That according to Jesus, when we think it's over, when they put him in the tomb and they thought it was over, guess what? It wasn't, that, that was almost good. Guess what? It wasn't what? When he died on the cross and the disciples said, listen, the story's over, my story's over, it wasn't what? It wasn't over. So if you're thinking today, it's over, life is over, this dream is over, I want, I want you to hear something today. It's not over. That's good. It's not over. And the whole purpose of Jesus coming to this earth, dying on a cross, raising from the dead, is to heal it's to restore, is to rejuvenate as we believe again and as we begin to trust in him again and allow the resurrection power of Jesus Christ not just to be a story from the Bible, not just to be an event that happened 2,000 years ago, not just something that matters in our salvation, and it absolutely does, but to be something that dwells in us and helps us fulfill God's plan and dream for your life. So if that's the reality, wait, what, did, what was Paul thinking when he wrote in Romans 8, 11, he says this, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Did he mean that? So if this is true, then what does that look like in your life? And since that is true, you need to know you have access to this into your life. So God wants to bring back to life his plans and his dreams for you that you have allowed to die, that I have allowed to die, if we allow him. The other reality is that Jesus, as we read out of Revelation, he's speaking of how he conquered death. He says this, I am he who lives and was dead. In other words, I'm not dead no more. That was in southern no more. I hope, hope you understand that. And behold, I am alive forevermore. And as I said last week, he liked his word so much, he gave himself his own amen. He said amen to what I just said. Maybe I'll start doing that. If I say something and you don't say anything, I'll say, well, amen, Jason. Anyway. And he said this, I have the keys of Hades, which is hell, and of death. Very important, which means Jesus holds the key 
to that which has died in your life, and he wants to live. He holds the key. You think it's over. I can't do it anymore. It's dead. But I, I know God wanted us to live, but I, did, I screwed up. I blew it. He holds the key to bring back to life what his original plan was for your life. So what is important for us to understand and point out before we get into this is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ set into motion the will of God for your life. You were dead in your trespasses. You were dead in God's plan for your life. Without Jesus, you have no hope, no plan. You are totally on your own. The resurrection of Jesus, because of it, Gives us access to God's plan for your life. Gives us a purpose. Gives us the ability to live God's dream for our lives. To undo the power of sin. The power of death. That all who put their trust in Jesus Christ will actually live again. It's actually to restore everything. I want you to hear this for a moment. The resurrection of Jesus was was to restore everything that the enemy has stolen from us through sin. The enemy wants to keep us from living the life God has for us. And here's, here's the reality. God has a dream for your life, and he wants it to live. And now dreams for our lives are very powerful. They're very important. They actually set our trajectory. When we wake up in the morning, when we have a dream in our life or a vision in our life, it sets the trajectory. How are we going to live our life? How are we going to spend our money? How are we going to love our our family? How are we going to work at our job? All of that is determined by this one thing. What is God's dream for your life? It determines our decisions. And here's the question. What does God's dream look like for your life? I don't know if you've ever thought of that. It's funny, we spend a lot of our time trying to figure out, God, what, God, maybe I want, maybe this is my dream. Maybe this is what I want to do. Maybe this is how I want to live my life. Maybe this is what I'll go and where I'll go and what I'll do. But here's the question. If we were to look at what Jesus said in John 10:10, what did he say a life that's lived out of his dream for us look like? John 10:10 says this, a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, I don't want any of that. No, thank you. But Jesus said, I have come. That they may have life. Who is they? It's you. Say, it's me. So Jesus said, I've come that you, and you can say me, may have life and have it to the full. His dream for your life, you living out your God's dream for your life, is a life that is full. And it's his plan. Jesus said, I came so that you can have life to the full. If you feel like you're not living your life to the full, well, let me tell you something. Jesus has something for you today that can help you begin to live that life for the full. Jesus purchased for us through his death, through his burial and resurrection, a full life that is to be lived. (coughs) Excuse me. A life that is to be lived that God ordained for you is a life that we all dream of. me. I always do the second service. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm allergic to you. I'm not for sure. We'll have to. <laughs> right. Give me some allergy medicine. Second service is coming. No, just kidding. <laughs> so here, here's the question. How, how do I discover, how do I, how do you discover God's dream for your life? 
Because when you don't have a dream for your life, and young people, it's important, you understand this and you get this. Because if you get the dream now, you're going to be far better off than I was. What is God's dream for your life? When you don't have a dream for your life, you just feel like you're existing. You just feel like you're just kind of in the wind and waves of life and you, re- you live your life in response to everything. And I would say besides salvation, and I really mean this, nothing is more important for your life than God's dream for your life. That's why the scripture says without a vision or without a dream, people perish. Another translation says they cast off restraint. In other words, what's the purpose? They stop living their life with no restraint. with no. It doesn't set their trajectory. It doesn't shape their decisions. They live their life aimlessly without a dream, without a vision. God isn't just about you getting into heaven. I know that's very difficult, but I want you to hear this. The plan of Jesus dying and raising from the dead was just not about getting you into heaven. That was the starting point. Your salvation, that's your starting point. It's not the finish line. The starting point is salvation. And we are to live our lives on this earth. And we're to strive. And we're to walk in God's dream. He has a purpose for you to accomplish things in your family, in your workplace, in your life, in your ministry. As I was actually preparing for this message, I really felt the Lord speak to me very clearly. And I was beginning to to say, Lord, what dreams do I need you to resurrect in my life? And, and I was praying about you and praying for you. And I, I felt like the Lord said this, and, and it was very clear. He said, many people are believing for me to resurrect their dreams for their life. But I'm not interested in that. I want to resurrect my dream for their life. Something that's very It's a very important distinction. Dreams are good. But if your dream is not from God, it is useless. Jesus came that you would have life to the fullest in his plan and in his way. Many times we want God to bless my dream, our dream. We want him to resurrect our dream. We want him to resurrect our vision. But I want to say something to you that may sound a little harsh, but it's very, very true. God will not bless something that does not belong to him. Everyone say, ouch. God will not bless something that is not his. And when you're chasing your dream, Our dream for our life. Some of the emotions you feel when when you're out for your dream, you feel confused. You feel anxious. It's self-reliant. It's all about you. You're fearful. You're unsettled. Why? Because it's you in the driver's seat. It's you trying to steer the ship of your life because you think, no way. i got to get this dream. i got to get this accomplished. i got to live my life a certain way. But when you're living out God's dream, there's a sense of certainty. There's a sense of peacefulness. There's a sense of um, grounded, a groundedness in your life, of being surrendered to God. There's a sense of wholeness. Even in uncertain times, it doesn't matter what's going on. There's an anchor that's holding you because you know that he's the one driving the boat. When you're driving the boat, guess what? It's all about your navigation skills. And you know that you don't have what it takes to drive the dream for your life. But yet we keep trying, we keep striving, we keep trying to to, to make it happen. 
And when we are living life out of our dream, when we are living our dream in uncertain times, we are tossed around by our own emotions. Man, our emotions are all over the place. Man, we're scared. We're freaked out. What are we going to do? How's this going to happen? I, I, I got to do something to make sure my dream is accomplished. All of a sudden, our insecurities are, are raging and running wild, and everything I'm not is just looking at me in the face all the time. And, but I got to try harder, and I got I to read more books and try to be better than a better me. Well, I don't need a better me, I need a brand new me. I need God to do something in me. It's all about us. When the storms come, when we're living our own dreams, it's all about us making it happen. So what we do is we take the power in our own hands and we try to manipulate. We try to have this and pave this way and have this conversation. And Maybe if I talk to this person and drop this hint, then it will get me to here. And then after I get there, then I can talk to them and tell them that that other person that's almost just as good as me, they're actually not very good even though I don't know that, but I'm saying that anyway so I can manipulate my way to get to where I want to be. Who wants to live that kind of life? Trust God. In storms and uncertainty, you're anchored. If you're living your own dream, it's within your own power. And then when you're living your own dream, you compromise on things because you think the end justifies the means. You will make decisions, whether you're running a business, whether it, whatever it may be. Well, you know what? I mean, I, I, the ultimate dream is here, but if I just fudge here, it will get me ultimately there. And then this fudge won't matter. You begin to compromise on things you know better than, and you do them when you're living your own dream. Even in relationships, a lot of times when we begin dating certain people, and all of a sudden we, we find that there's a physical attraction, and, and we think, but my dream is to be married, and if I don't have sex with them, then they, maybe they won't marry me. You're living out your dream, and you're making a compromise. If you trust God, if, God, if it's your plan and your will for this individual, I'm going to trust you, and you're going to navigate my, my, my pathway. And if they put pressure on me to do anything, they're not the one for me, and I'm going to tell them to get lost. Everyone say amen to that. Young people say amen. Come on. You yell for Zane a lot louder than that. And when you take, live out your dream instead of surrendering to God, this is the world you have to live in. Jesus rose from the dead so that we could break free from, I want you to hear this, from our dreams. Our view of greatness. Our view of greatness and our view of our dreams, that's been influenced by the world. As a matter of fact, it's been influenced by the American dream. Dreams that we have adopted because we are motivated by what people think, what people, what they define as success. Well, then that must be success, so therefore I need to achieve what they did. Or maybe the dream you're living is a small dream that we've adopted because of our past, because of our mistakes. We thought, well, this happened to me, and so therefore God can never use me, so therefore my dream will have to be here because that's just the way it is. Jesus rose from the dead so that we could walk in his dreams for our lives. 
That, that applies to every single one of us, no matter where you're at, no matter what journey you're on. That's why Jesus rose from the dead. And another, another thing, which would be a total other message, actually, is defining. When we say, oh, God has a great dream, we'd already define what great actually means. And God's like, I didn't say that was great. Your greatness and your dream for your life has everything to do with you getting to know me and living out of what's perfect for you, which we're going to talk more about later. So what does God's dream look like for my life? So instead of me trying to tell you what it looks like, let's let Scripture. In Ephesians 3.20, it says this. Now glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us. This is another reference of that work inside of us. Is able to do far more than we could have ever dared to ask or even dream of. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers our highest desires, our highest thoughts, or our highest hopes. So according to this verse, whose dream do you want? You want your dream or you want God's dream? Let me ask you again. You want your dream or God's dream? We want God's dream. Because it's infinitely beyond what we're praying for, what we're desiring, and our thoughts and our hopes. There's this, there's this interaction here that the power that dwells inside of us is shaping what our dream actually is. The resurrection power, Jesus wants to resurrect these dreams in our lives. So how do I get God's dream for my life? And we're going to go over five points that they're simple, but they're very powerful, but they're very necessary. Because what's important, I don't want us believing, leaving here today believing God's going to resurrect a dream that uh, he... He's not going to answer our prayers for. A lot of people say, you know, well, I'm praying that such and such doesn't happen. That's fine. If it's not God's will, your prayer is not going to do anything. We need to align our prayers with the will of God. So how do we define the will of God? How do we find it for our lives? Young people, how do you find what God's plan is for your life? You better find out because God wants to speak it to you. The first thing is this, how do you discover God's dream for your life is one, you need to give all of your life to God. You need to give everything you got to Jesus. So in other words, you need to be willing to do what God tells you to do before he tells you to do it. Do I need to repeat that again? Because Did I just confuse myself? No, I, okay, no, that makes sense. You need to be willing to do what God tells you to do. Before he tells you to do it. It's kind of like the old illustration of you come to Jesus and you sit down at a table and say, Jesus, I'm going to give you my life. And he slides a, a contract across the table and he said, well, just sign the bottom. And you said, but nothing's filled in. There's no words on this. He said, that's all right. You sign it. I'll fill it out later. What, you mean I'm going to sign my life away and I don't know what I'm signing away to? Yep, that's right. I want you to commit and give your life to me without knowing the details of the journey. We commit to whatever he has for us before we ever know what it is. That's how you discover your dream. That's why Romans 12, 1 through 2 says this. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice. There's a surrendering you're offering to God dedicated to his service. Do not conform yourself to the standards of this world, but let God transform you. Then, I want you to note that word, then. So offer yourself, dedicate yourself, do not conform yourself. Once you do all of that, then 
you will be able to know the will of God, what is good and is pleasing and is perfect. This right here, the good, the pleasing, and the perfect is the response. It's the will of God, but you get to hear it once you give all of yourself to God. Most people, they want this. God, show me. God, tell me. God, reveal your will for me. Lord, I want to know, why was I put on this earth? Why? He's like, well, first you need to offer yourself to me. I don't want to do that. I just want you to tell me what my, what the, what the, my purpose of my life is. He says, I want to tell you, but first... You need to offer and dedicate and make the decision to not live like the world. So the first thing you offer, and here's here's the reality. If you don't surrender your life, if you don't do this, if you don't dedicate, then you will never, this is such a tragedy and saddens me, but you will never Discover God's dream for your life. If you don't do this, you will chase your dream your whole life and be unsatisfied. You'll think, well, this cup will do it. And you'll drink from this cup of success and whatever you think that is, whatever your dream, whatever that is. And you'll come to the bottom of it and you'll be, that didn't satisfy. You'll grab another cup and you'll drink that cup. Well, that didn't satisfy. And you'll just, you drink these cups of your dreams and satisfactions. And at the end of the day, you're still thirsty. Because it's your dream. So if you offer yourself, if you dedicate yourself, then you will know the will of God. And if you are committed to him, I want you, this is so important. If you are committed to him, we don't have to live in this world that somehow, well, this, the will of God is a mystery. God's plan for my life, it's always a mystery, and I'll never know. And it's like, well, it's kind of like, you know, God says, well, if you want to know my will, put a blindfold on. He puts a dart in your hand. He spins you around. He says, now just throw it. And if you hit the dartboard, hey, you got it. That's not how God works. God's, God is determined. His desire is for you to fulfill the, his purpose for your life. You don't have to wa- wander around like, a, like you're trying to find a light switch in a dark room. and just You just need to do this. Offer yourself to God. That's your first step. And according to, to this scripture, what is, what is God's dream like? It's very important questions to ask. What is God's dream like for your life? Well, according to the scripture, it is good, it is pleasing, and it's perfect. I'll take some of God's dream. I'll take some good. I'll, I'll take some pleasing. I'll take some perfect. And this whole idea of perfect, like the, the Greek word here, perfect, is this word that, that, means, that means this. It fits you perfectly. It's just what it should be. It's, it's just right. It's kind of like you, you go in and, and you, tr- you try on a, a, a jacket. You try on a suit jacket. You try, whatever it is. Some of you put them on you're like, oh, it's a little tight in the shoulders. And, oh, it's a little tight here. Oh, it's a little tight in the stomach area. Got to fix that one later. But, you know, it's, it's just done fit. And all of a sudden you fit one on and it's just, ah. Oh. Everyone say, ah. Oh. That's what he's talking. The will of God will feel like, Ah, that's what it is. That's what I've been looking for. Here's the problem. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what, what's something that fits right. You don't, want it, don't know what it feels like because you've never, you, we've never worn it. 
We've always been chasing, trying to wear different jackets. Well, that'll do. And, and so we spend our, our whole life. But it's perfect for you. It fits you. God has, God has knit it together with his, the, his angelic seamstresses that, 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 that knit it together with the perfect thread. And it just slides on you and just, wow, that's nice. That's what he's saying. God's dream is good. It's pleasing. And it fits you perfectly. And it doesn't say it is without struggle. But it does say it fits you perfectly. And then Paul goes on in the same verse. He says this, do not conform to the standards of the world. Now here's the deal. Why is, God, why is Paul talking about the standards of the world when he's talking about God's vision or God's dream for your life? I'll tell you why. Because most people are shaping their dreams and their purposes by looking at other people and not God. Most people live their dreams or live out a dream that's been shaped by somebody else. They're always looking to somebody else, something else. And Paul says, don't be conformed by what the world calls successful. Don't be conformed by what the world says you are to be. Stop looking at what the world thinks, what others think. Stop measuring your dream based off of other people's dreams. I heard this quote a long time ago, and, and I've used it a lot, but it says this. Every person, I want you to hear it, every person is born an original, but most people die a copy. Every person in here is born an original from God. He has a plan. He has a dream for you. He's knit you together. He's put certain things in your life. And most people are born an original. Well, actually, all people, sorry. All people are born an original. But most people die a copy. They die in their casket with a jacket that's just way too tight. They thought, and, and, and they've lived their whole life thinking, wow, man, this jacket's me. And everyone else is like, does he know that it's way too tight? Does he know he can't button the front button? And they spend their whole life just, this is why? Because they saw someone else wear the jacket. They saw someone else live that dream. And they thought, that's what it means to be successful. Now this doesn't mean we don't look up to other people. We don't look at how they live their lives and biblical values. And you learn from them and you learn the disciplines from them and they inspire you. But what it, what it does mean is you cannot live your life off of someone else's dream. Husbands, you cannot be a husband that you saw your dad be for his wife. You have to be the husband that God asked you to be for your wife. Same way for the wives. And these dreams, all of us have, man, I want a family that's like this. And we think of a particular family. Now listen, if Jesus is the center of the family, that's something to admire. Of course that's what you want. But we, we go so much further, so we try to do things just like they did it. Or we try to run our business just, or we try to live our life, or we try to find success. Or we... It happens all the time. I guess the better way of saying this is this. You are a horrible second version of someone else. 
You t- it's terrible. You think you're trying to be like them, but you're a horrible second version. God has a dream for your life. And that dream can only be discovered through surrendering your life fully to God and allowing the resurrection power of Jesus Christ to live in you, to change you, to transform you. The second way that you can discover God's dream for your life is this. You must make time alone with God. And maybe another way of saying this is you have to be quiet in order to hear God speak. You have to be quiet. Make time to be alone with God. Here's the issue. Everyone wants to know God's plan, but lot, most people do not set the time aside to hear God's plan. I heard a pastor say one time, he said, listen, if you want to hear God's vision, then you're going to have to turn off the television. Which vision do you want? Do you want television or do you want God's vision? And there are many people who say, you know what? God just never speaks to me. I'll tell you why. Because you're never quiet. We live in a world that's constantly putting stuff in our face, in our ears, in our minds all the time. It's just just constant noise all the time. We're always busy. We're never alone with God. And then you have this, this, this word from God that's spoken, Isaiah 55, 3. He says this, come to me with your ears wide open. Listen to me and you will find life. What is it? Jesus said, I've come that you would have life to the fullest. Here's God speaking, say, I want you to come to me and listen so you can find life. This come to me with your ears wide open. In other words, God of the universe is saying, I've got something for you. I've got a direction for you. You want to know what you're meant to do? Then listen to me. It's because my plan for you is full, and it's full of life. God wants to spend time with me. God wants to spend time with you. It blows my mind God wants to spend time with you. The first service got it. Maybe I didn't deliver it the same. It blows my mind that God wants to spend time with me. I know me. And I know many of you. (laughs) But the creator of the universe wants to spend time with us. He wants to spend time with you. He says in this, it's an invitation. Come to me. With your ears wide open. In other words, I'm speaking and I want you to listen to me. Come to me. And our ears can't be wide open if we're filling them all the time with other things all the time. My challenge to all of us is learn to be quiet. Now I know some of you are thinking, I don't do quiet, Jason. You know what? You're getting a little sweaty and antsy right now. You're getting ready to run out of here. I know it's crazy. But just hang on for a second. Actually, we have a daughter who's actually, that she cannot sit quiet or still. She's either talking a mile a minute or she is doing cartwheels all over the place. And we love it. She's full of life. And, she, and she's a wonderful kid. She's always moving. Listen, if we would allow her, she'd do cartwheels at the dinner table. I know she would. She's always moving. She's always, she's moving, 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 moving. You, chill, or you teachers, you know the same thing. Kids are always moving. You're like, will you sit still for a second? Why? Why? Teachers, why do you want your, the, your kids to sit still? So that they can what? They can hear you. They can learn. 
Well, for adults, we get the spiritual wiggles. We, we, we can't sit still. We can't sit long enough for God to begin to speak to us and tell us his dreams and tell us what he has for us, his life. My challenge to you this week, and I, I really want you to take this challenge. I want you to give, I want to give you a 10-minute challenge. 10 minutes every day for this week. I know it's crazy talk, but I'm just saying. 10 minutes every day. Sit still. Sit quiet for 10 minutes. And say, God, I'm coming to you with my ears wide open. You can set a timer on your phone, 10 minutes, and then throw your phone across the room so you don't get back on it. (laughs) Turn your alerts off. Be disciplined. Sit quiet for 10 minutes. And this is the deal. you got to make time with God on a regular basis. Listen, we live in a world that's demanding every single bit of our time. Every moment. Every second. Give me, give me, give me, give me your attention, give me your attention, give me your attention, give me your attention. All the time. And this sitting quietly with God, it's not a one-time shot. It's an ongoing journey that we begin to listen and to hear his voice. This is what we call a lot of times in church, we call it a quiet time. You say, God, here I am. So sit with God this week. This is my challenge. Sit with God this week. Let him speak to you through his word. Write down what he's saying to you. Write down what you feel like he's saying to you. And begin to, to engage for just for 10 minutes. Start with 10 minutes. And you also, you need to read the word systematically. One book at a time. I know there's a lot of people out there. They, uh, they use this thing called um, Bible roulette. Lord, I'm going through a tough time, and I need you to speak to me. And, oh, God, I just need a word from you. Oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> Death has fallen upon me. Oh, God, is over. you try it again. It's called Bible roulette. Now, can God do that? Yes, but that is, that's an exception. He wants to speak to you daily out of a systematic reading of his word, that he communicates his heart to you, that he, you draw near to him. There's a journey in your relationship with him. We need to read the Bible. And there are people actually who read the Bible, and, and they, they use the Bible to puff themselves up. Listen, I went to Bible college for, for four years, and it was a great journey in my life. But, man, there were people, there were guys and gals in my class who they could quote Scripture. They could memorize it. They were, they were the most arrogant people on the planet. And I just, I, I'm like, I don't understand. They know more Scripture than me. Their doctrine is right. Everything was good about them. They could, they could argue you like eschatology. They knew more Greek words and Hebrew than I ever thought about knowing. And, man, they were prideful and arrogant. And what happened is they read the word, but they didn't allow the word to read them. They didn't allow the word to to shape them, to challenge them. They actually used the word for their own selfish gain. And here's this, this tension. 
Allowing God to speak to you. Allowing God to read you. Allowing God to purify you. Allowing the word to define your dreams. To purify your motives. To wash your mind from fleshly, selfish ambitions. And let God articulate his dream for your life. Because it's awesome. There's a theologian from England. He, he said this about the word. He said, we must allow the word of God to confront us to disturb our securities, to undermine our complacency, and to overthrow our patterns of thought and behavior. This sounds like a real fun process, doesn't it? <laughs> Say, God, what do you want from my life? Before you can ask God to resurrect these dreams, you first need to define what is his dream for you. What is my purpose? What is, God, your plan for me? Third thing that you can do to help discover your dream is to look at your abilities. This sounds like a very practical thing, but it's very, very important. One of the ways that you find God's dream for your life is to look at what you're good at. Look at what you're gifted at. God gives you gifts. He gives you talents. He gives you experiences. He uses your pain to shape who you are. He gives you a personal bent or he gives you a personality that makes you unique and makes you you. And when you look at all these things, you begin to understand what God wants to do with your life. God just doesn't want you to be unique, though. He wants you to be effective. He wants to take those things and use them in your life and through your life to make you effective on this earth. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This thing, this blows my mind. So we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, through the resurrection power of Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared for us to do in advance. So you mean God has a, he has a dream for you. He's mapped out that you, you are, it is a round peg in a round hole. Your dream, you the dream, it's perfect. It's there for you. And the journey, and there are good things for you to accomplish. The literal meaning of this handiwork is that it's, a, it's like there was a block of wood or there was a, a piece of stone that was shaped by God through the resurrection power of Jesus to be his handiwork. Yes, you had abilities in that block. You had, ability, you had abilities in that piece of stone, but you were a blockhead. You needed Jesus. And he began to shape that. The resurrection power of Jesus that lives in us is what purifies us. It is what shapes us, making us his handiwork. So we can live his dream in our lives. And according to this verse, dreams look like something. Dreams have the manifestation of something. Your dream that God has for your life is, is this thing. It looks like this, good works. You were created to do good works. If that's what you were created to do, you will never live your dream until you were doing good works. You, his dream for you will always reflect him. It will not be selfish. It will not be about you. It will not be about your fame. It will not be about what you can accomplish. God will use his dream for your life. And it will burn inside of you. And you will feel more alive than you've ever felt in your life. 
when you begin to live his dream for you. You will feel the freedom lift off of your chest. You will feel your mind clear and clarity come to your heart. You will not be tossed around by emotions and pain and what ifs and all of this. When you begin to live God's dream for your life, you have clarity and confidence and boldness. 1 Peter 4.10 says this. God has given each of you some special abilities. Everyone say, I'm special. That's good. You need to tell yourself that every once in a while. It's good for you. I'm special. God's given you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help others. Passing on to others God's many kinds of blessings. Be sure to use your special abilities to help others. In other words, if you don't use your abilities to help others, help other people, then you have missed the point. You've totally missed it. If God's given you the ability of care and hospitality, then you need to care and be hospitable towards people. If God's given you the ability to, to, to generate wealth and make money, then you need to help with that money and help other people learn how to generate and make money. If God's given you the ability to, to play music, then you need to use that gift to help bless other people to play music. This is, this is where we all are. We have to use our abilities to help. If you have the ability to help and serve kids, to, to serve and to give your life to help a child, then you need to go sign up out, out in the atrium and let's start serving our kids together. It doesn't matter. 12 to 80 is what they said. So if you're 81, you can still do it, I promise. Use your abilities. Sign up just for a moment. Just say, all right, God, I'll use who I am to help and serve a child. And you might be thinking, yeah, but, I, but, but, I don't, but God's called me to, to, to preach the thousands. Well, I promise you, you will not preach the thousands till you can humble yourself to preach the one. I promise you. But I want to do something great. Who told you that serving in children's ministry isn't great? Where, who, who told you that? What is, does God call that great? Absolutely he does. So who, who are you living your life for? You living your life to be recognized as great by everybody else? Or are you living your life to be recognized as great by God? Whose dream are you? Who, who told you? It's kind of like Paul says, who cut in on you on this race? Who stopped you? Who defined your, your level of success? And whether it's working with children, or whether it's doing your, your, working your job, who told you that, that there's always, i got to always do this, always got to go higher, always got to get a better position, always got to, man, what kind, of, what kind of life is it to always live to feel this pressure of what you're doing is never good enough? God's dream for you is perfect. It fits you. And he's the one driving the car. The fourth thing that's very important that we need to do to discovering our dream is surround yourself with godly dreamers. This is a big one. In other words, hang out with people who are on a journey of discovering God's dream for their life as well. And here, here's, here's the truth. Both dreams and discouragement are contagious. They're both contagious. This is a big deal to me. 
I don't know, it's just maybe it's my personality, how God's made me, or, or my giftings. But, but when, when I, I draw things from people when I'm around them. I just sense it. I, and I, maybe some of you are like that, and you just feel that you, you can connect with people. You know how they're feeling. You know what's going on in them. For me, what I realize is that negative people have a really strong effect on me. And they have a strong effect on every single one of us. Negative people can kill God's dream for your life. I really believe it. If someone in my life is negative and they always tell me why I can't live out God's dream for my life or why they always t- they t- tell me why, why they can't see our church living out this dream that God has for us or you feel like maybe someone's mission in their life is to tell you why God can't do what you believe he's spoken to you. Or maybe this person always makes little comments and just little, little jabs to kind of try to deflate your, your dream or what you believe God's speaking to you. It, don't raise your hand. But I'm sure some of you have people like that in your life. It's important. Here's my advice on how to deal with them. You need to create some buffer zones with those people. You really do. Doesn't mean you cut them out of your life. No, Jesus says don't do that. But create some buffer zones. Don't share your, your dream with them. Protect your dream. You think, well, Jason, this sounds real. Listen, I, I've learned in my life, there's been several seasons in my life that God's put a dream in my heart. And some of my, my greatest down spirals of, of frustration and doubt came when I shared my dream with the wrong person. And they began to be a tool of the devil and dismantle line by line the dream that God placed in my heart. You've got, you got to protect yourself. You've got to protect yourself from those people. You've got to create leaders. You, ha- you have to do this. Our, our staff, we, 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 have to, we have to do this. The Lord will place someone in, in, your, in your midst to be the, it's like, it's, you know, instead of hugs, they bring like pins and they're always popping balloons. It's just, it's just what they do. You walk in a room with like this beautiful bouquet and you walk out and they're dragging on the floor because they're all deflated, you know. You got to create buffer zones. But I'll, I'll, but I'll tell you, I'll explain. Because many people have allowed God's dream to die because a friend told them it wasn't possible. Someone you trusted told you it's not possible. A family member told you it's not possible. Or you look to them for affirmation on your dream and they never gave it to you. And every time you look to them for affirmation, your dream went. And we were looking to them instead of looking to God. But here's the deal about dreams. I think dreams... Especially dreams from God that are, that are new, that are in their beginning stages. It's just like a newborn baby. God gives you a dream and you have this dream. You have this, this baby. And God's giving you this precious new life and you're holding it and, and there it is and it's so precious. But, here, but here's, this is why you got to protect your dream. Because for one, it's kind of like newborn babies. Newborn babies are ugly. <laughs> Let me explain. All the moms like, my baby ain't hungry, ain't ugly. What are you talking about? My baby's beautiful. Let me explain. When babies are born, they're out of proportion. 
Their heads seem a little big compared to the rest of their bodies. Their faces are swollen. Or their head's like elongated, looks like a cone head, and you're like, what's going on, my child? But here's, but here's the deal. You know who thinks that baby's beautiful? Mama. Man, that baby's gorgeous. She looks at that baby and her, her eyes light up. And the dad looks at that baby. But this is, a, wow, it's a gift from God. It's, God gave us this. This is from God for us. And the rest of the family, and they come around. Oh, this is so, so you, you protect this dream. You protect this dream. It's like a newborn baby. you got to protect it. Listen, God's dream for you is beautiful. So lots of, you just got to give babies a little time. Just give them a little time, and all of a sudden things come in, and then, and then you're like, oh, that's so beautiful. And everything comes into proportion, and, and that's the way it works, same way with dreams. Sometimes you just got to give them a little time. You just got to get, get, get with someone close to you and begin to work it out. Don't let, be careful, don't let someone else. When you show them your baby, don't, don't do it too soon. They'll be like, well, that thing's ugly. That's not going to work. I mean, look at the size of that head. Be careful. Because many times we begin to tell our dreams because we want affirmation from other people in the first place. Focus your eyes on Jesus. Be around a family that thinks your baby's beautiful. Be around this church family that thinks your dream is beautiful. Be around church family that's on a journey for us to accomplish God's dream in our life. The world doesn't understand your dream. They, does, they don't understand why you think differently, why you dream differently, why, why you want your life to matter, why you want your gifts to be used for good works. But what I do know is this, that God through the resurrection of Jesus calls it what the world calls dead, he calls it alive. What the world calls impossible, he calls it possible. It's this is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hang around people from Faith Bible Chapel that, that say, you know what? I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to accomplish what God created me and made me to do on this earth. I want to live out God's dream for my life, for my family, for my ministry, for my children. That's what I want. Be around those people. And all of a sudden you will realize that you begin to dream. You begin to have more confidence. And there are people that fan the flame of dreams in my life. There are people that are so important to me. And I, I, I pray I do the same thing for them. Actually, just this week, there was this, this the man, a man in our church, he's been in here for 20 plus years. He's been around the block. He's seen all these type of ministries. He's always been an encouragement to me. But he, he set up an appointment. He came in my office. He sat down. And he's... he's I believe he's in his 70s. And he sits down, and you know what he says? He says, I want to set an appointment for you because I just wanted to encourage you. I just want you to tell me, tell you, you're doing a good job. You know what that did to me? This man that I respect, this man that I honor. You know what he's doing? He's dreaming with me. He's saying, Jason, keep going. Keep believing. Don't give up. We need those people in our lives. Pastor George does the same thing for me. I'll go up to coffee with him. He said, Jason, come on, keep doing it. Keep going forward. Come on, you're gonna, God's going to do something great. Keep pushing. Keep, that, what does he do? He's, he's fanning the flame of my dream. And God's dream for you and God's dream for me. All of us need people like that in our life. Stay away from those who are, who are the, throwing darts at you. Get away from them. Get away from those who are blowing your dream up. 
and speaking. That's what we are to be as a church to one another. Let's begin to dream again for what God has for us. Keep chasing God's dream. When I'm around our staff that are they're dreaming about what God could have for them, it encourages me. It strengthens me. Man, I, I love it. I rub around people who got big dreams. Come on, get on me. I'll take some of that. It's good. It's what God has for us. This is why Proverbs 27, 17 says this. Iron, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. God's purpose for each of us is to fulfill our plan that he has laid out for us. So you think, well, it doesn't matter. People around me don't affect me that much. Proverbs 22 says this. Oh, actually, we don't have it. I, I, I wrote this this morning. It says this. Don't befriend angry people. Or associate with hot-tempered people. Do you know why? It says, <laughs> you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. It does matter. It matters who you're around. And God wants you to do things that are within his. He wants you to walk in your dream for his life. Maybe a, a better way of saying this. If you want to soar with the eagles, you got to quit running with the turkeys. So once you surrender your life to God, once you make time with God, once you look at your abilities and, and really evaluate where you are, once you get around godly dreamers and his dream becomes your dream for your life, now it's time for you to do step number five. It's time for you to take steps towards your dream. It's time for you to, to believe God and begin to move forward and begin to trust God. You might think, God, I, I thought at one point I was going to do this, and I thought that was going to happen, and I thought you could use me to do this or do that, and, but God, I, I let the dream die. I just let it go. Or maybe I've allowed death to overtake my dream. I've allowed death to overtake my calling. I've allowed death to overtake my ministry, my purpose. But I'm telling you this morning through this series, God's plan is he wants to resurrect our dreams he wants to resurrect his plan for your life. He wants to resurrect and allow us to believe again, to have faith again, to move forward, to trust that Jesus wants to awaken new life in his dream for us through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that lives in you. He wants us to start living out the life that you were actually meant to live. It's hard to steer a parked car. You ever tried that? Try to steer a park. You can't turn the wheel, plus you're not moving. Sometimes you got to take a step of faith and believe God. I believe Psalm 37, 23 is saying just this, this exact principle. The Lord directs the steps of the, of the godly. It doesn't say the Lord directs the standing of the godly. This is about the godly. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. In other words, you got to take a step. And then he'll direct your step. And then he'll direct your step. He said, God, I'm, I'm just going to stand right here. And I, I just direct my standing. Well, that's pretty easy to do. But God says this. He directs the steps of the godly. You've got to get moving. You've got to trust God. You don't know the full story. Cheryl and I came off the mission field 
three and a half years ago, I didn't know the full story. I didn't know what God was saying. All I knew is my next step. Was it easy? It's not easy to, to think I'm heading this direction and all of a sudden you realize, hey, my pathway's going this way. You know, I thought it was going that way, but God's direct. You gotta keep moving. You gotta keep believing. You gotta live out God's dream. And, I, I, and I'm standing before you today. I, I came back here three and a half years ago. I, I did not know I was going to be your next, next senior pastor. I didn't know it. I knew I loved you, and I knew I'd give anything for you. I knew I wanted to serve you. I knew I wanted to, to lay down my life for you. And I re, I'm not saying this just to, just to impress you. I really felt that. My wife and I felt that. But all I did is I just did the next thing in front of me. And before I knew it, God was speaking to me about things. And I thought, oh, gosh, I don't know if this is really, really true or really real. And then all of a sudden I realized God was speaking to the elders about it. God was speaking. And so this whole journey... And here I am now, and I'm still stepping, still moving forward because I believe God's plan for this church is so much ridiculously bigger than anything I can dream of, anything that the elders have dreamed of. It's so much bigger. And I like, I like to be around people who are like, well, I don't know, but let's go for it. That's why I so appreciate Kurt and Maggie. They, they're missionaries in Israel, and their dream was to be in Israel. And guess what? They were in Israel. And then guess what? They still continue to follow God. And now Kurt and Maggie are here to come on staff his first days tomorrow. I'm so excited about that. It's going to be a lot of fun. But here's the deal. I like to be around people who are dreaming and walking. They refuse to stew in status quo. And, well, I don't know. Let me ask 15 years ago what works today. I don't care what 15 years. What is God saying today? Where is he leading us today? What does God want to do today? I think for our church and, and, and all the leadership would be in agreement with this. We're not living our life today based off of the senior pastor 50 years ago. We're not, we're not, we're not looking at fulfilling Bob Holy's dream. We're not looking at fulfilling George Morrison's dream. And we're sure not looking to fulfill my dream. We're looking to fulfill God's dream for his church called Faith Bible Chapel. And it's the same way for your life. Listen, don't look at your dad's dream for your life, your mom's dream for your life, your grandpa's dream, for your wife's dream for your life, your husband's dream for your life. Ask God, God, what is your dream for my life? And get with him. Surrender your life to him. Let him speak to you. Let him shape you. Let him guide you. And begin wearing that which fits you perfectly. And you can walk in confidence and know, I'm not driving this boat, baby. I'm a passenger. Jesus is driving. That's, what, that's where we need to be in all of our lives. The resurrection power of Jesus brings back to life God's original plan for you. His original plan. You think, Jason, I've gone too far. I've made too, too many mistakes. Let me tell you something. What you're saying is that, God, you're not big enough to handle my mistakes. Really? That's what the enemy wants you to believe. Or, you know, Jason, I'm too broken. I'm too broken. Listen, I want you to know something. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ is for your healing. It's for your restoration. It's for emotional brokenness. It's for the, when you were abused. And I'm so sorry that you were abused. But the resurrection power of Jesus wants to bring healing to you. 
I don't know why it happened. But what I do know is that Jesus is there for you. And that which the enemy meant to crush you, to turn you to a pile of ashes quivering in a corner, Jesus will use his power to bring you to a place that you can fly again. And you can, you can live your life again. That you can be everything that he originally desired for you to be. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ, it knows no bounds. It has no limits. It's not limited by your thought, my thought. And it, it, it is powerful and wants to live in our lives today, in all of us. God's dream for our life is not determined by our power. Thank God. It's determined by his power. That's when we start, I, can, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do that. I don't, what? You're right, you can't. But he can. This is whole thing of surrendering our life to God. It's the whole temptation that happened in the garden. When Satan told Eve, if you eat of this, you will be like God, which means you've got the answer to everything. You can be everywhere at once, and you have ultimate power to overcome anything that you face. And so she thought, well, sure, I'll do that. And guess what? You cannot. That's the temptation Satan still wants you to have. Oh, you try to fix it. You try to do it. You try to be everywhere at once. You try to fulfill this dream for your life. You try to do this. And God's saying, Look, what, what, come on. That's not my plan. We try to be like God, and God is waiting on us to surrender and say, God, I will let you be God in my life, and I will surrender all of myself to you. It lives in us, that resurrection power. God's dream is still there for you. It may be buried under your choices. It might be buried under your sin. It might be buried under your independence. It might be buried under, under your mistakes. I think there's so, someone here today that you lost your virginity and, and you were carrying so much shame. And Satan is pointing his nasty finger in your face. The resurrection power of Jesus can restore, he can restore your innocence. He can physically, mentally, emotionally restore your virginity. Well, that's impossible. It's not to God. I know stories and testimonies. And I believe that's for someone here today. The resurrection power of Jesus has no bounds, no limits. Your marriage isn't over. God's dream is what matters. It will resurrect you if we surrender our lives, if we make time to grow in our relationship with Him. If we look at really who we are, let's just be honest with who we are. All, all my, my insecurities, my own brokenness, my own nothings, Things God's gifted me with, but they're not mine. He gave them to me in the first place. Let's just be honest. Can, can we be an honest church? It doesn't always have to put this facade on like, a, like, hey, I'm perfect. Look at me. 
forget that. We need Jesus every day of our lives. We need to grow with him. This should not be a place where you come in and you got to put your, everyone, you know, everyone pick up your face over there as you walk past the fountain. Just put, you just put it on. You come in, you can drop it back in the fountain when you leave. Come on. Let's allow God, let's be honest with him. Let's commit our lives to him. Let's repent of things that we've, that we have, we've given into. We've looked to certain things for success. We've even judged our church with other churches and, oh, what's, ooh, that's great. And that, come on. Let's allow God to lead us. Let's allow God to restore us. Let's allow God to work his will in our lives. And let's just begin to walk it out one step at a time. And let's trust that when my foot's about to hit and I think I don't know where it's going to go, that he'll come under me and catch my foot as I trust him, walk with him, and believe for his dream for my life. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.